Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Daniel chapter 4, verses 19 through 27 with Pastor John King. Good morning, everybody. Feeling out of sorts. I don't know what it is. Pray for me, will you? It's difficult missing a week of us. Uh, look at that. There's a spider. Watch this. Did you hear that? That was that was the crushing of a spider. You didn't hear that. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for bearing with me. Today, we're going to be back in the book of Daniel, verses 19 through 27. And while you're turning there, Daniel 4, verses 19 through 27. Let's kind of get reacquainted with the book of Daniel, where we're at in it. Um, you know, again, we're picking up this narrative about 20 to 30 years after the fiery events of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, after the fiery furnace event. Uh, but we're going to learn, we're going to continue to learn in chapter 4 um, that what, what chapter 4 is, if you, don't, if you didn't know, is, a, is the only book of the Bible that's written by a pagan, if you will, by a secular king. This is sort of like, uh, one, one would put it as, as an affidavit to what happened to him, uh, and he's testifying right now about what happened to him. So Nebuchadnezzar wrote this uh, uh, thing after being out of commission for about seven years with temporary insanity. Um, scholars believe that he wrote this proclamation to explain his long absence. Again, the very beginning of the chapter, verses 1 through 3, uh, his intention is to give a strong public witness of who he refers to as the Most High God. So now, in the first 18 verses of chapter 4, the king details another vision or a dream that he had. It's called the second dream of Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. Um, it featured a massive tree that was so tall that it could be seen from any location on earth. And it had beautiful foliage. It, uh, it provided food and shelter for all the creatures of the earth. And then uh, a watcher from heaven, an angel from heaven, a messenger of God, appeared and by God's authority, he declared that this tree was to be cut down with its leaves and fruits scattered, and that those who took shelter needed to depart from underneath the tree. By the time you get to verse uh, 15 of chapter 4, you see the tree start to become per personified. Uh, you, you see it in your Bible. It says, it says, and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth, let his heart be changed from that of a man, let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. So this week, we're now going to hear uh, the king describing how Daniel read back the interpretation to him. He's, again, we're going to see why God provided Daniel to be a, a true uh, prophet, a, a supernatural ability to interpret dreams and visions. But Daniel is also faithful to witness and declare an important truth when it comes to a person's relationship with God. When it comes to supreme sovereignty, God alone is the one who occupies that place. And that's significant because Nebuchadnezzar was a great monarch who ruled all of the known world. He was known among the entire world at the time. And so it's important for for him to realize, and God's going to make it very clear to him, who's really in charge. God is our creator, and we were made in his image. 
And he will not allow, not, not any of history's important people, whoever they may have been, not you and I. He's not going to allow us to take credit for his things that he, the things that he does. He doesn't share his glory with us. He, he showers us and he pours his grace upon us. But he doesn't share his glory with us. So we don't get to take credit for his works. We give glory and we testify to the things that he's done. And so today we're going to see that the king could now take at Daniel's advice, if you will, and change his ways, or God would humble him through a bizarre seven-year trial. And the same principle holds true for every person who has ever or who will ever reach the age of accountability before God. Whether you believe it or not, whether you think you're under God's sovereignty or not, you will give an answer before God. Proverbs 3.34, surely he, God, scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Amen? Let's look at our passage. Daniel 4, verse 19 through 27. It says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar... Do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And insomuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the, the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. It shall drive you from men, your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And insomuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps... There may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for putting us in this place, Lord. You, nothing happens by chance or accident when we're walking in, in your will. And Lord, thank you that you give us the opportunity through your word to examine our hearts and our lives, to examine our position before you, Lord, and to ensure that we're not being filled with pride, to ensure, Lord, that we're not being overtaken by our own ambitions. 
by this great lesson that you teach us today, may it bear much fruit in our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you go before us now as we open our hearts and open our minds to your word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So we start off here, first verse, verse 19, you see Daniel's troubled thoughts. And it goes on to name, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, he was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. Uh, remember, Belteshazzar was the Chaldean name that Nebuchadnezzar gave to him. It means Beltus protects the king, or you know something along that line. But the word Bel, B-E-L, was a pagan deity, a pagan god that they worshipped, and they built many temples to. But notice he was astonished for a time. If you have a King James Version, it says for one hour he was astonished. In other words, when Daniel came and he, he saw what the, the king had dreamt, the vision that he had, it, it was enough to shut his mouth for a while. He was astonished. And his thoughts troubled him. He had great dismay at what he saw in the king's vision. And so the king noticed this, and he, said, he spoke to Belshazzar. He said, Belshazzar, don't let the dreamer's interpretation trouble you. Now remember, they had a long relationship. They'd been together for about 30 years. And Daniel had already proved that he was one who would you know, interpret dreams. He was sent of God to be in this man's life. And you can't help but believe that Daniel was actually friends with this great monarch, this king. So Perhaps it was the stunned look on his face. Perhaps it was the time that he had nothing to say. Um, but the king would have been very sensitive. Any, any of these great monarchs would have been very sensitive to those who appeared in his court by the look on your face. The look on your face, if it wasn't right, could get you executed. But he was, a close, he was close to Daniel. Daniel was close to him. And so using his Chaldean name, Balthasar answered, because the king's like, look, don't let this bother you. And Belteshazzar answered, and he said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you. May uh, its interpretation concern your enemies. In other words, brace yourself, king. Brace yourself. But, of course, with a much more delicate amount of tactfulness. He had enemies. Now, you know, thinking about this, um, Daniel's concern was for the king and for the people of the kingdom, how it was going to impact them. Now, this is a historical narrative, if you will, of what happened to this great kingdom. Eventually it would be overrun. But, you know, it's, it's good to have, uh, it's, I guess my point here that I'm trying to get to, our elected leaders... And our appointed officials, here we are in our world today, you say, well, how does this historical thing apply to me? They need our prayers and support, but not necessarily our vote. Does that make sense? We have freedom to vote uh, by our convictions, hopefully, as Christians. But when they're put in a position, and especially non-voted-in people who are put in positions to serve, whether they be... Um, local police or fire departments or right on up through the, the governments, even school boards, they need, as from us, they need our concern. You know, here you have this great pagan king and you see Daniel's concern for the future. 
And we uh, all know we're very concerned about the future. You know, we're in this place where we were excited because of what's happening in the time that we live in. This could be the time where the Lord returns. But at the same time, we're saddened by what's happening in our society, by the the fractured um, condition of our society. But Christians, we we have been given by God some instructions on how to deal with this situation. Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1 says, as it's, you can read it there, says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You know, the whole point with Nebuchadnezzar realizing that the Most High rules above men. And living in a free society, it's difficult for us because we like to have our choice. And when our choice doesn't get met, when our guy doesn't get put in, we start to have a problem. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. Now, bear in mind, Paul's writing to Timothy at a time when it was, there was no voting, okay? The government was in place. It was called Rome. And they ruled with an iron fist. And then Paul would say to Timothy, therefore I exalt first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So we're to pray for our leaders, we're to pray for our society and those who govern our society, because they're the ones that get all the headlines, you know, whether they're sharing it with the latest weather or whatever, They're the ones that have a great amount of control, and we're seeing that more and more. And he says the reason is so that we, you and I, may lead a quiet and peaceable life. You know, we see war on the horizon again, you know, in Ukraine and all this other stuff going on around the world. Violence against our police officers, murders. So we're seeing all the stuff that goes on, and it's easy for us to get angry and extremely frustrated. And of course, we always want to balance our responsibility to government with what God has to say, with the understanding, Acts 5.29, that we ought to obey God rather than men. There is a certain place in time where you have to draw a line and say, you know, you're asking me as a government or a country is coming upon us and saying, we don't want you to do this. We don't want you to preach from the entire Bible. We want you to leave out the things that talk about sexuality. Uh, And we say, no, I have to obey God before men. Now, that's not the law here, but it just became the law in Canada for pastors and what they can preach. So, you know, stopping right here in the first verse, you you notice that Daniel is concerned about the king and he's concerned about the kingdom. The question is, for all of us, is what are we going to do when we don't like the outcome of an election? Because the word says we're to pray. And yes, we participate because we have the freedom to participate. Some of you may want to run for office when you... uh, I wish you well in that. But it's important. Okay, back to our narrative today. Daniel 4, verses 20 through 22. Now we're going to see a quick recap of the king and his empire. And Daniel is explaining, he says, The tree that you saw which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, was food for all. Now he's reading through this whole thing. Now he's, he's reading back a portion of the king's dream. But here's the thing. 
Daniel now is going to verbalize to the readers and to the hearers, those who are hearing this decree, that the dream is actually a picture of the king and his empire. We've known this all along if you're familiar with the book. And he says in verse 22, it is you, O king. You know, in case you know, you're confused about what's going on, King Nebuchadnezzar, all of this that's been described, this great tree and all the things and the fruit and the abundance, that's you. It's you who have grown and become strong. And again, the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, often uses trees as a symbol, especially symbols of political authority, such as kings, nations, and empires. It is you, O king, this great empire. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Babylon had become very large and powerful. You could spend hours on the internet researching ancient Babylon and that whole kingdom. There's so much information. It may have been the most populated city of its day, maybe 200,000 people, which is a lot of people in any day. And it had, of course, the famous architecture, the Ishtar Gate, which is now in a museum in Germany, uh, and the Hanging Gardens. All these things that were you know, no, well-known, Hanging Gardens of Babylon were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And he says here, it is you that have grown in increase. The empire had expanded. It went from Egypt to the border of Egypt, the western border, excuse me, eastern border of Egypt, all the way to the Persian Gulf, and then north, uh, almost uh, into Turkey. So it was a for that day and time, it was a very vast empire. And here he is addressing them all. And it says, "You become large and powerful. You've you've grown and become strong." Now that word to become strong means to be hardened. Now he had this great military strength. And it says, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens. This is a metaphor for saying he has great influence on the world all around him. Your greatness or your majesty reaches, attains great stature and notoriety, reaches to the heavens, sort of a a metaphor. And your dominion goes to the end of the earth. Now we know the borders of that uh, kingdom did not extend throughout the end of the earth but it's so well known, his sovereignty. Uh, keep in mind that if, if you look at uh, uh, the population of the ancient world, believe it or not, they, there's a lot of information you can find out there. The estimated population of the ancient world around 500 BC, which was actually we're in 600, was approximately estimated to be 100 million people. 100 million people. What's our population today? Seven and a half billion going going towards seven. Uh, Some say that the world population will peak out around 2040, 2050, and then start to decline again. It may peak out as high as 9 billion, 10 billion, and start to peak out. So, you you know, to say that, you know, your your dominion to the end of the earth would not be much of a stretch compared to today and today's world population. One old uh, commentator said it this way. He said, uh, the king is the tree, The branches are his princes, children, and nephews. The leaves are his nobles and captains. The fruits are his riches and revenues. And the shadow is the protection which his people had under him. You know, this was the great king of the day, the first great kingdom, a worldly kingdom of man. Remember, Daniel is a book of the history of mankind. It's a a telling back of the great empires of the actual history of human, you know, mankind. Um. So again, 
we, when you see this, you're probably reminded that this is a similar situation. You know, when somebody comes and tells the king he has no clothes on, uh, you know, it can be very embarrassing. And he says, it's you, O king. This thing, this crazy dream that you're having, this vision, is you. And we see that similar scene with Nathan and King David, right? 2 Samuel 12, 7. And then it says, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. You know, they had gone through this back and forth about somebody who stole somebody's lamb and, you know, how David's like, that man should be killed. And he's, he's talking about the affair that he had and the fact that he murdered Uriah's husband, or excuse me, Uriah's, uh, excuse me, uh, um, what's her name? Bathsheba. Bathsheba, thank you. Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And he says, you are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And, you know, of course, David had to deal with that for the rest of his life. And so we see the important role of advisors in our life because advisors can see what we can't see. Uh, oftentimes it's, it's like that in a, a husband and wife relationship. The sp- one spouse or the other can see things that the other cannot. And that's, that's why there's such, uh, there can be such great strength in a healthy marriage because of that situation. But people who are in positions of authority, they need to have people who can speak into their lives. Who do you have in your life that can speak the truth in love, that can point out your blind spots, the things that you're missing? Kids, you have your parents. They'll take care of that for a while. So here we have a messenger. Again, we're continuing on, verse 23 and 25. A messenger of God's coming judgment. It says, and insomuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, now this watcher, we talked a little bit about this. It's an angel with a message from God in heaven. That's the simplest way to say it. And then it gives a message from heaven, chop down the tree and destroy it. But notice, leave its stump. What does that mean? Why does it have to leave its stump? Well, because this represents the king, the tree is the king, This means that the king would not lose his life. The judgment that was coming to him would not cost him his life. It says, leave its stump bound with a band of iron and bronze. That's God's protection. During his seven years of madness, there was not another man placed on the throne. You know, usually when a king uh, is deposed from his throne, somebody rises up. But history doesn't record that there was another man on his throne. They were, maybe they were keeping him hidden from the general populace, whatever they were doing. And then, of course, the interesting, let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Um, you see, he's going to lose his mind. He's being told in advance that he's going to lose his mind. And he's going to become as like a beast, like he you know, would graze with the beast. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. He says, the cutting down and the trimming of the tree symbolized Nebuchadnezzar's disgrace and removal from the throne, but the leaving of the stump was a promise that he would one day reign again. Think about that. Now in Isaiah 10, 33 and 11, 5, you had a similar image used as a reference to Messiah, to Jesus. God permitted the tree of Israel to be cut down by their enemies, but from that stump, the Messiah would eventually come. Interesting. Now, in verse 24, uh, Daniel says, look, this is the interpretation, O king. In other words, this is what the dream means, and it was issued by God himself. 
And, and here's the decree of the Most High, which is coming upon my Lord. In other words, God himself gave the decree and the judgment that would come. Why, why is he being judged? Again, we maybe touched on that earlier. Why is Nebuchadnezzar being judged? Remember, he was in his palace, in his, in his you know, kickback in front of his big flat screen, watching Sunday football or whatever, enjoying himself, living a life of luxury. And you know, he, he didn't have a care in the world until this vision came into his mind. The reason is because of pride, because of self-importance. And we're going to see that unfold here next week, the final part of uh, chapter 4. But the three things, pride, self-importance, and sufficiency, and wicked behavior. You, You combine those three, and you're ripe for judgment from God. Pride, self-importance, wicked behavior. They all, unfortunately, tend to go together, don't they? 1 John 2.16, he says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing that's pulling us. That's the thing that's always competing for our time, our space, our hearts, our minds. But the judgment is, in verse 25, here's what's going to happen. They shall drive you from men. Okay, you'll be deposed from his throne. Your dwelling shall be made with the beast because he's been giving a mental illness. He's crazy. He can't be around anybody. He's deprived of reason. Who knows if he's foaming at the mouth, whatever. In fact, they shall make you eat grass. He would be given the heart of a beast and he would behave like one. Now keep in mind what happens when a person gives over their life. When they surrender their life to the work of the enemy and they surrender their life to pride and self-assurance and then wicked behavior starts to dominate their life. They have these you know, strongholds of sin in their life. You become like a beast. You know, We say it in jokingly, oh, you're such a beast. No, you, that's not a good thing when you consider it in light of this information. And it says you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. He's going to be living outside in the fields among the animals. Now this, is, this was a public proclamation which got put in the history books, okay? Well, what happened? Seven times shall pass over you. Most people believe that this means seven years. Some people say, well, it probably wasn't that long. Leave that to the scholars and the uh, theologians to argue about. It was enough time for God to do what he needed to do. Until you know, until you're informed, notice it's a process. Until a person has a personal understanding of who God is, God will use what's necessary. Until you understand what? That the most high rules in the kingdom of men. He's not some other God that's just totally separate and not connected to the affairs of men. He is God, God with us, God who created us. We were made in his image and he cares for us. And he's made a path of redemption to have fellowship with us through Jesus. And so God, the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And we need to keep that in mind when you look at the headlines. You say, what's going on with this crazy world? Again, we know our prophecy, but we also need to know that God is sovereign. That he's not unaware of any of this stuff that's going on in the kingdoms of men. 
And guess what he does? He gives it to whomever he chooses. And for a free society, it's very easy for us to forget that. Our country is split right down the middle of who will be president and who isn't. Our Congress is split almost right down the middle. And so you have this thing of winners and losers. And we forget that God gives to whomever we choose. We exercise this free thing, but God is sovereign above all that. And it's sort of a mystery, I, I got to say. But he's in charge. And we need to submit to him and realize that he's allowed these things to happen for a reason. It may well be because of our national pride. Years later, Dan, Daniel would now tell Nebuchadnezzar, now Daniel had a, a long time with many leaders, many kings in Babylon. And he would tell Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, who we'll meet next chapter, um, that his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, actually lived with the wild donkeys. Daniel 5.21. Then he was driven from the sons of men, his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints it over whomever he chooses. One writer put it this way, Men and women are made in the image of God, but when they leave God out of their lives and resist his will, they can descend to the level of animals. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, warns King David, who was guilty of acting like both. Like the impulsive horse, he rushed into sin when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then like the stubborn mule, he delayed confessing his sins and repenting. Think of Saul of Tarsus. When the Lord arrested Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road, he compared the pious rabbi to a stubborn ox. When he said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Our stubbornness. Now you can't help but notice Daniel's role. He was given the role to do what? To warn the king of coming judgment. And that's our role today. That's our role to the little people in our lives, to the lost among us, to the lost on the streets, is to warn them about the coming judgment. You cannot bury the role that you and I have in this world. There's coming a day of judgment, and the question you need to ask yourself is, am I being equipped? Am I learning and being ready to declare the coming judgment? Because it's so easy for us to join in the chorus of complaining or join in the chorus of partisan politics. But are you and I ready to declare the truth to people that need to hear it? And you might ask the question, what do you say? Well, we're going to see here at the end of our chapter, or in end of these verses, that Daniel had a method, okay? He had a method of witnessing to the king. There are, there are various methods. And he was going to respectfully speak the truth and inform the king about the choice that he had. Look at verse 26. And insomuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and its roots, the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you. So he's telling them in advance, this isn't going to cost you your life. Because they're going to bind, you know, what's, what's remaining of your, of your kingdom will be returned to you. 
So there's going to be a future recovery. So he brings hope from God. Do you bring hope from God when, when, you, when you confront somebody and you tell them about the coming judgment and the things that they're going to go through, the hardship that they could endure if they're separated from God by their sins and they meet their maker? God, if they die in their sins? Are you, are you ready to bring hope from God if that person's concerned about this and tell them about Jesus? It says, after you come to know that heaven rules. So notice it's conditional. Daniel is saying, look, here's what's going to happen. And the time period has already been you know, spoken because that's how long it's going to take for you to get it straight. That's how long it's going to take for you to understand. So Daniel informs the king the order of the things. Now this, you know, when, when God, we notice God is a God of order. If he says seven times, seven years, then seven years. But look at verse 47. Therefore, O king, therefore, you know, in light of all the things that I've spoken to you prior, in verse 27, therefore, let my advice be acceptable to you. Notice his, now his method. He's not um, you know, trying to lord over the king with his self-righteousness. He's being respectful. You say, well, of course he would. He's the king. But Daniel had the heart of the king. They were friends, okay? And he, he came and he said, uh, you know, let my advice be acceptable to you. So he was humble yet direct. And that's one thing we need to learn how to be. Humble yet direct, speaking the truth. We say speaking the truth in love. He says, therefore, in light of all we've learned about your future, my advice, or King James Version, my counsel, may it be acceptable, may it be fair, May you, may you see it as something that's reasonable. And then he says this. Here's what you need to do. You need to break off your sins by being righteous. To break off means to tear away, to discontinue. We know the sins, meaning the Hebrew word meaning for offense. How? He's basically saying, King, you need to stop sinning and you need to do what's right. You need to stop singing. And you know, what that, you know what that single word that describes that? Stop sinning and do what's right? It's called repentance. It's called repentance. Changing your mind about how you think about things. Changing your mind about what your sin is, how your sin is received by God and how it affects others. And making up a decision in your mind that you want to get that right. You want to make that right. You want to change the way, the road you're going on. David Guzik writes this. He says, The right direction to the threat of judgment is a humble repentance. Unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar did not do this. He should have followed the example of the repentance of Nineveh at the preaching of Jonah. You know, remember that this pagan city that Jonah finally got there and did what God told him to do, and the entire city repented. So he says, break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. What are iniquities? Well, it's wrong, it's crooked, perverse behavior, if you will. By showing mercy, by showing favor to who? He says, well, to the poor, to the needy, to the weak. He says, put your righteousness into practice. Don't just talk about it. See, a lot of times that's where you and I end up. 
We know about righteousness. We know what it's, what's called of us. We know what God is telling us. And that's all we do. We talk about it. And we don't put it into practice. Nebuchadnezzar, this great king, you know, we talk about him as a great monarch, but he had taken the Jews, cap, Jews captives and robbed their temple. I mean, everything that he had that he built in his empire was built on the backs of others. He was able to sit in his palace, you know, in his house, flourishing the day he had that vision because he had built this great empire on the backs of others, taking advantage of them. And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll break off your sins and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. It may come to pass. You may get prolonged. You, know, you may be able to continue to, to flourish in your, in your house, in your, in your temple, in your palace, if you'll change your ways. But Daniel has declared what's absolute. The Most High in the kingdoms of the men, and in this case the king, would come under judgment but would not deny, die. This is what's going to happen. But he also declares what is possible, sort of the conditional aspect of it. If obedience happens, a lengthening of his prosperity. And we see this all the time in the world today. Whether it's you know, your physical health, whatever it is, if you stop doing a certain thing that's harmful, that you might get a longer life. You might enjoy life better. But in your spiritual condition here, he's saying, look, uh, put aside your sin. Break, break, apart, break away from it. Now, a real fool would say, why bother? And you hear that. Why bother? I'm going to be judged anyway. Okay? You've told me what's going to happen. Why not keep living the life the way I want to? King could have said that to him right then and there. And if, if you're thinking that, you know, a person wants to say that, think about Proverbs 14, 16, for instance. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Or Jesus' parable to the rich fool in Luke 12, 15 through 21. And the crowd were asking him, you know, talking about dividing inheritance, um, and, and Jesus is being put on the spot in a public setting, and he says this in Luke 12, 15 through 21, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things by which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So as we conclude today, we see that Daniel is at least giving the king sort of a glimmer of hope amidst the rubble of his life. Things are getting ready to happen that are, you know, as we described. 
He'd be, lose his throne. He'd be forced out. He would be reduced to madness. He would be wet with the dew of heavens. He would be eating the grass of oxen. While, all while he's sitting, living large, uh, but he had no clue until now what was going on. You know, sometimes we get these wake-up calls in our lives, don't we? We're, we're motoring along pretty good. We think everything's good, and all of a sudden, reality hits us. And he had a vast empire, you know, uh, historic building projects. And, you know, there was no modern technology. There were no trade unions to protect the workers. There was no safety things put in place. So everything that he built and all these ancient kings would build would be on the backs of others. But notice for you, if you're called to speak into the lives of others, and every single one of us is, notice that Daniel's example using his humble and tender words. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. We need to be mindful how we come across. You know, it's so easy to say, let me just school you on something, you know, you heathen that's going to hell. (laughs) That's not the way to go after people. But we need to be bold. Break off your sins by being righteous. Let your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. When you and I share the gospel with people, we declare what is absolute. Everyone dies and God will be the judge of your eternal destiny. That's our faith. That's what we believe. Everyone is going to die and God will be the judge of your eternal destiny. So you and I can declare what's possible. If you repent of your sins and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will not be judged for your works or your sins. But you will be judged as righteous in God's eyes. Romans 6, 20 and 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We ask you, Lord, as we prepare to enjoy a meal together, uh, Lord, that you would just bless our fellowship, that we could enjoy a time of, of rest and encouragement among one another, Lord. We thank you for that. And Lord, we just ask that you would prepare us, you know, on these cold winter days when we get stuck in the house uh, for long periods of time. Uh, There will come a time when the sun will be shining and we'll be out among the people of the world and you'll give us an opportunity once again, Lord, to show your faithfulness to others by our lives and by our actions. But Lord, maybe you need to help us to get the words out, to learn how to be bold and to work on our message. Lord, uh, you know, how long will we continue just to perhaps go in a cycle of living things and doing things the way we've always done them? Is there not change that you desire in each of us that we might be more committed servants unto you? Not to a church or a building, but to you, serving you, our King. For the cause and for the hope of all of people, all humanity, Lord. 
So, Father, I pray that you go before each and every family that's represented here today and those who couldn't be here, Lord. We ask for your blessings to be upon them. Lord, we ask that you would put a desire in their hearts that they would make you number one in their home. And Lord, we just thank you once again for our time together this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, let's stand and we can uh, read our verse today, our, our passage today, out loud. This will be our, our closing prayer. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.